You're listening to Radio Influence. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Good afternoon, everybody. I know that I normally say good morning. I know I usually have these things right out first thing in the morning. And the reason I do is because of Jerry and Jason over there at RadioInfluence.com. They take care of all that stuff for me super fast. The turnaround today has to be a little bit later because we have a guest on. And this is what happens when you start talking to these people, these cool people that we get, like we're going to have this afternoon. Sometimes they're busy. So we're going to get them on a little bit later today. But it was good because one of the big things that has happened over the last couple of weeks is obviously, um, you know, uh, I, I've been running around. I actually took a couple of weeks just to stay at home. Um, my father passed a couple of weeks ago and I've been trying to stay home. My family, uh, my mother, my sister, you know, my brothers are out there in L.A. I got my daughters back here. But I've been hanging out at home a little bit more, which is awesome because as of two, three weeks ago, I was 76,000 miles in the air. So American Air, I want to thank you for the upgrades, the lack of hassle. I want to thank you guys for uh, putting me uh, in first class on most of my flights so that I don't have to uh, uh, squeeze my uh, my fat little chef ass into uh, one of those tiny little seats, although I do enjoy them back there. I do have fun, but guess what, people? First class is a way to go. If you can get up, make it happen. Make it happen. Unfortunately, I've had to spend 76,000 miles away from my family this year, uh, and that's been up and down and across and all over the place. Amazing experiences, super, super fun stuff, but uh, I've had some time to spend at home, which I love. I have had an, uh, just a great time with my girls and uh, my friends and all the really cool people that are rocking and rolling in my life, so um, so I'm stoked about that, but uh, – one of the things that I want to uh, really quick tell you guys about is uh, this is kind of like a, a like a, a like a public service announcement. I know that I said it a couple of weeks ago, um, but if you guys are out there right now, get yourselves a living will. We should probably let's try to find a sponsor about living wills. Who does that stuff? Is that like uh, Legal Zoom or whatever? We need to get them as a sponsor, I think, because I'm about to talk about these guys for a while. What we need to do is make sure you guys have yourselves living wills. If you are married. Sit down tonight, tomorrow, this week with your family, whatever it is, and just discuss, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, it's a very simple fact that we have a couple of things in our lives that we must do. One of them is that we are born, okay? The second part of that, we have to go to school at some point. We've got to learn. We've got to be educated. And third, make sure that you talk to your friends and your family about death. It's a part of life, guys. It's a part of life. I don't want this to be like a super sentimental moment here or anything, but we all die. We don't get to live forever. So prior to dying, sit back with your family, discuss your finances, have a conversation about it. Um, not that my father uh, didn't do that. My father just got really sick at the end, and it was really hard for him to sit and have that full conversation with my mother, not for any other reason, just that he was exhausted. He had been fighting cancer for as long as he had. So sit down with your families tonight, this week, whatever. Get in touch with a financial planner. Try to get all of this information put into place, okay? Because you know what? 
There's a lot of stuff that goes on right now with uh, that I don't know about, man. I don't know about the taxes of everything. I don't know who to contact to get in touch with your credit union. I don't know who to contact to get in touch with your your vacation club that you had or your super saver or your safety deposit box. So get with your family, sit down, save them the peace of mind, allow them at the end the opportunity to sit back and grieve and relax rather than trying to figure out where all this stuff is. Again, I want to make sure that this is understood. This is in no way uh, me uh, bitching or complaining about something. This is me just going through this process with my family, um, watching my 71-year-old mother um, you know, go through some of the struggles that she is. And, and again, my father was awesome. My father set everything up so we didn't have to worry about it. Um, the only thing is we had to search for a little while. So – that's what I got to say about that. Um, couple of crazy, crazy things that are going on right now um, out there in the world uh, that we all know about. One, we've got to discuss the fact that, uh, hey, how about uh, Trump's Twitter being shut off for 11 minutes yesterday um, that they said was kind of a little mistake. But uh, oddly enough, there was a uh, – I guess somebody who worked there, it was their last day, and they shut his shit off, um, which is, hey, look, I don't care who you voted for. I think that's pretty goddamn funny. You know what? That's a hell of a way to go out. Walk out. Close the door behind you. Nobody knows any different. I think it's kind of funny. Other people are out there. They're complaining about freedom of speech and, you know, we've got to watch this so that it doesn't happen again. The guy did it as a fucking joke. We have all sat back at one point in our lives and discussed things that we would do if we were just going to walk, like get out of a job. What would you – so, so you know, here's my question. What would you do on your last day of work? If there were no ramifications to it whatsoever, what exactly would you do? Me? Hey, look, I would put a crazy password on every single file that that company owned at that point just for fun, just for fun. I know it sounds vindictive and stuff like that. I've had that stuff happen to me in the past. Look, I password protect just about everything. I password protect so much shit that I can't even get into my bathroom half the goddamn time. Okay, And that's just because the fact that I have so many files that I share with so many people. I've got to make sure that my stuff is all good. All right. So. Uh, make sure that, uh, that, 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 that talk to me. I want to know, I want to know what happens, um, when you guys are going to leave your last job. I'm actually going to post this up there. I'm going to have a conversation about it on Twitter or whatever it is that we have to have. Um, but, uh, what would you do on your last day? If there were no ramifications. Obviously we don't want you to kill anybody. I want you guys to be creative. Okay. Come up with something super fun, something exciting. Last I'm typing right now, last day prank or or uh, what am I looking last last day prank or uh, surprise because I would leave surprises all over the place I knew a guy once uh, in a restaurant who uh, he hated fucking hated our banquet manager she was banging the GM she was a bitch man she was a bitch but what he did was he took a, uh, a six ounce bag of calamari and went upstairs. So, so here's a really funny story. So I, I was working at a restaurant. It was in Conshohocken, in Pennsylvania. I got hired by the executive chef to come in and cook. Um, I had just left striped bass in Philadelphia, which at that point was one of the top 10 restaurants in the country. Um, I had just left striped bass. Uh, I had started to work in this location. Um, which by the way, man, working at striped bass, I will, I will never forget that. I worked under uh, a guy, a chef named Will Turney. He was married to the original chef whose name was Allison Barshak. Allison was a super cool, badass chef. Will was a super cool, badass chef. And there was a sous chef there who was a fucking piece of shit. 
Her name, I will never even tell you, but her and I hated each other. I'm talking like passionately. I remember that my last – I worked with Will who was the exec at that point for a while. He was uh, he was a great chef, really enjoyed working with this guy and like let's say that I started on a Wednesday. OK, so I work with Will on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. The guy himself, the chef himself, trains me on the station. And this was a quality fucking badass restaurant. OK. I work directly with him, which which in a case of this, in a place like this, that's almost unheard of. So Will every day would kind of work some spend some time with me, check in on me, make sure that I was doing stuff. I knew him from being a kid. I, if I'm not mistaken, like his grandmother was my kindergarten teacher. Like it was craziness. Okay. And so he really spent some time with me. So then Monday comes rolling around because this was the first time I had ever worked one day shift where I was done by four o'clock in the afternoon. So Monday rolls around. What is Monday? Typical chef's day off. So in walks uh, – what are we going to call her? We're going to call her Bitchy McBitcherson. So sous chef Bitchy McBitcherson walks in the front door and uh, she comes over to me and starts, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm fucking dicing onions. Like I didn't say it like that, but whatever it was that I was doing, this was 20 years ago you know, or, or however long. I don't even know, 18 years ago, 15 years ago. I don't even remember. But what I do remember is her being a bitch. And I remember her walking up to me. And at this point, I had already been an executive chef in two restaurants. Um, I had done my – I've worked my ass off for, for a period of time. And what I wanted was I wanted really no responsibility. I wanted to go into a high-end place. I wanted to learn under a quality chef. I wanted to get uh, really some finer uh, skills. I wanted to practice a little bit more before I went on to my next gig. So I had worked there. So uh, Bitchy McBitcherson comes in one day and she starts literally just ripping me apart while I'm on the station. Why are you doing that? That's not the right size. That's not how we cut that. That's not how we mash that. That's not how we move that. It's not how we do it. And I'm like, what the fuck? So day one is over of me working with, with Bitchy McBitcherson and I, uh, I leave and I come back in the next morning and uh, Bitchy McBitcherson is off. Well, chef is there. So Will was there and Will walks over and he's like, dude, what are you doing? That's not how I showed you how to do that. And I'm like, fuck, this literally was my first experience in the hierarchy and the running of the bus and the throw under the bus and the sabotaging of another human being. Because at this point, Bitchy McBisherson, I feel, I believe, truly thought that she deserved the job as opposed to Will, who also was the executive chef's ex-husband. Okay. So think about that dynamic. You're working in a restaurant. Your ex-wife is the executive chef. You're the executive sous chef. She rolls out of town to take off and go to Vegas. Super cool story, actually, how she left. She And this is all hearsay. I don't know if it 100% happened or not. My understanding is she uh, they will. And I have no idea what the hell happened. Either way, what it comes back to is Bitchy McBitcherson is now pissed off at me for what I did. The next morning I go into work. I start banging out the prep again for my station for that day. I'm setting up all my me's chef walks in and he's like, dude, what are you doing, man? I just showed you last week, like how to do this. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. You know, sorry, chef. I didn't feel like getting involved in the hierarchy of it at that point. So I dealt with it. 
So Bitsy McBitcherson was off on Wednesday and Thursday, I guess it was, or Tuesday and Wednesday. So I'm working with Will again. I'm working with Chef. Like he's teaching me. He's expediting line. I'm working next to this other guy who was next to me who was a piece of shit while I worked next to him. He loved to watch me fuck up. He loved to see me make a mistake, and he would almost sabotage me to do certain things. One day, it's the middle of Christmas, busiest Friday they've ever had. I'm sauteing something, and I lean into my pan to see how much oil was in it, and I give it a quick flip. Well, I don't know if that motherfucker added more oil into the pan or what he did to it, but I flip it real quick, and literally like two tablespoons of olive oil pop right back out onto my wrist onto my forearm. I'm in an open kitchen in one of the top 10 kitchens in the fucking country. And I can't say a word. I'm standing there. I keep walking through it and he's smirking at me the whole fucking time, this asshole. So one point he actually told the chef that my jacket was dirty and, uh, and ended up, um, and I had uh, like, like just bitchy stuff, like stupid stuff, not the stuff that we did in kitchens. Like we used to fuck around with you in kitchens. We would take your we'd take your shallots and replace them with minced red onions and you'd have no fucking difference until you started to pick them up and smell them. You know, like we would fuck with you in that way because we used to have fun. You know, we'd take your fish and we'd hide your fish for you after you cut it prior to service. And then when you're fucking around, you get a little freak out because you know you cut the fish, but you can't find the goddamn fish. You know where you put it. You know where you put it late it last time. You have no idea where it went. So you freak out for a second. Then one of your boys runs in the walk in and grabs the fish that he hid underneath of, you know, whatever it was that was in there the day before. Like these are the fun things you do. You know, you put shit into people's buckets when they're not expecting it. You know, you grab a hot pair of tongs you, like you play around with people. That's the fun stuff. Left handed spatulas and buckets full of steam like that's all the old school shit that we did. This guy was a dickhead who worked next to me. So uh, I, I kept going back and forth, and then finally one day Will had left for vacation, and Bitchy McBitcherson was running the show at this point. So I had been there for about three months of her and I just not liking each other in any way whatsoever. I walked in one day hung over as shit. I was bad, man. I remember taking the train into the city that morning, and every time we went over a new railroad tie, my head pounded. And I had to go in and work, and I was good with that. I was a kid. I was young. We all do really well hungover when we're working. But I walked in. I was like two minutes late, and I walked in the front door, and I had to be there at like 7 in the morning okay, to get opened up for the 10 o'clock or for the 11 o'clock lunch shift. So I walk in the front door or in the side of employee door. I walk downstairs. I go over to clock in, and there's Bitchy McBitcherson standing right there, and she's like, you're fucking late. I said, I know I am. I apologize. I, uh, you know, whatever it was, I'm really sorry, chef. And I used that term loosely as I replied back to her. I said, I, uh, sorry about that chef. I, I, uh, really apologize. It was like a Monday morning, whatever it was. So she starts giving me shit and, uh, uh, we just kind of looked at each other and she's like, you know, I don't like you. And I was like, you know, I don't like you at all. And she's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm fucking out of here. And that was it. I left went on a whole different way. So how did I get to that point? Jesus, you see what you guys do to me? I get all excited to talk to you. And then I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. So, um, anyway, uh, that's my kind of story for the day. Uh, we have a couple of really weird things that have been going on the last couple of days with, uh, um, with, uh, with the world. In reality, we got a whole bunch of shit going on down in new Orleans. Everybody who knows, I'm just going to say John bash in new Orleans. Okay. Um, we all have been in that situation. I know it sounds fucked up and somebody's going to come back and get me. Y'all have worked in the restaurants, but not to that extent. Okay. Not to that extent. So, um, 
I feel for the team down there and uh, I feel for everything that's happening down there. Um, I feel for the employees. I feel for everybody that that's going on with. Um, but uh, that's kind of what my news is for the week. So, uh, you know, you never know. I mean, you never know what happens. Employees these days get really tough, man. Um, it's a whole different world that we have out there that we're working with. Um, the employees across the board, it has all changed. Um, you know, as I keep talking about the fact that we have to we have to entertain our employees and we really have to give them something back, something that they can work towards, something that they can learn from us, that it's not just about the the, uh, you know, the, the getting of the money anymore. It's not about just the job. It's really about what are you going to do for me? And that's, that's a lot that I talk about all the time. I've been on panels for it. Um, I, I feel that we should be paying people more money within the restaurants, um, than what they're worth. You know, we talk about it all the time. You pay your mechanic $85 an hour to get your car running, but the fuel that we put inside of our bodies, you know, we pay them $9 an hour to prepare that for us. So, um, and as a, as an operator, that's a really tough thing to do. You know, the first well, there was a restaurant a couple of weeks ago that just determined. I mean, they're going out of business. They really tried to run a full blown fair wage for their employees, um, and that's a really tough thing to do. But uh, one of the things that uh, that that we found is that the cost of that then runs further north. The cost goes up, you know, we're, we're instead of us having that 12 or 14 or $15 burger, now we've got that 18 or $19 burger that we're having to pass that across to the guest. And then the guest is saying to us, well, you guys have to pay a fair wage, but you know, I want a $1.99 chicken nugget. Well, you're not going to have it both ways. It's not going to happen. My brother's calling me right now. Um, and, uh, he keeps calling me back, but I don't think we're going to, we're not going to pick up the phone call on that one. Um, he's probably got something weird to say. So uh, one of the things uh, that I want to talk to you guys also about this week is what I have moving forward. Um, we uh, we have a great guest on. We have a super good guest on today. Um, she is uh, she's she's on Twitter. She is a boatload of fun. Um, super cool girl. Uh, pretty raw in, in a lot of stuff that she does and what she talks about um, and all of that when it comes to uh, uh, comes to being on Twitter, which is fun. It's, it's one of the things that that we all kind of play around with. Um, you know, that's what the best part about Twitter in my world and what I believe. I think that, you know, Twitter's great because it, there are a lot of really good conversations that go out there. You know, Instagram is, um, you know, hey, Check out me. Look at what I've eaten. Look at what I've done. Uh, look at where I am. Look at my shoes. Look at the flight. Look at my my new car. Look at my child. Look at um, the food that I'm eating. Look at the beer that I'm drinking. Look at the cocktail that I'm having. It's so much about bragging, and it's really not political. It's really uh, more about spirituality. You see everybody's a spiritual advisor these days. They're all posting their own worlds of spirituality. Um up on Instagram, uh, whereas Facebook is more bitch and moan. We bitch and moan about about everything on Facebook. We complain about things on Facebook, or we're looking for information. Hey, does anybody know somebody who can clean my cowboy hats? That was my post the other day. I'm using you guys as Google. When I go onto Facebook, when I go onto my professional page, I share a lot more. I share stuff that has to do with my family. I share stuff that has to do with my home life. These are things that I share. Um, but uh, and, and especially about the food and the, and the travels that I get to do that I get to all over the world. That's what I do on Facebook, Twitter. We basically get to go up there and you bet you got to be prepared, man. I mean, I've got some crazy haters that are out there. I have this jackass right now. Let me see if I can remember what his name is. Uh, I'm going to find him real quick. He hates me, hates me with a passion. Uh, let's see. What is his name? Um, everybody do me a favor. Go and talk shit 
to this guy. Why? Because we can. It's Twitter. All Just do whatever you want. He keeps saying tiny hands. I think it's a riot that there's people out here that are actually – like trolling. So this guy's name is the spicy warlock. Um, and he went from, uh, he's blown up. He's been blowing me up for the last week. Uh, the question of the day yesterday was, um, chef Bryduff, uh, captain of the industry or an Oompa Loompa with tiny hands that escaped from Wonka's factory and is up to no good. And then at the end of that, he puts discuss. So I think we will discuss it. I feel the need to let everybody out there know you don't have to follow him because we don't want to blow him up too much. Just communicate with him. So his handle is the Spicy Warlock. He's live from Hoboken Beach. Leave your morals at the door. Booyah! That's his. Uh, that's his uh, little uh, introduction to himself at the beginning of it. So, do me a favor. Go over and follow the Spicy Warlock. Um, he's a freak of nature, and uh, have some fun with him. Okay, that's what I like to do. Um, but in the meantime, we're gonna have a conversation today with uh, with a girl named Erica. Um, Erica Trank, she is, uh, she's uh, from Chicago. She lives in Vegas right now. She has played uh, professional poker for about five years. Um, she's a, a, a really cool chick, a lot of fun to talk to. Um, so if you can get a chance, go on to Twitter, uh, Instagram, whatever it is, you can follow her at Sin City Chai Girl. That's S-I-N-C-I-T-Y-C-H-I-G-I-R-L. And uh, she's my guest coming up, guys. So you all know how this thing works. Get back out there, uh, turn the radio up, put the kids away because as per our conversation last night between me and Erica, I got a feeling this is going to be a little uh, a little bit raunchy. We're going to be talking about all sorts of shit. She, she let me know last night. She's no stranger to the word fuck uh, and she is no stranger to uh, cursing a little bit. So I'm super stoked to talk to her. Uh, she's going to be a fun girl. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and get the kids out of the room immediately for episode number 34 of Duffified Live. We're talking to Erica Trank, Sin City Shy Girl. Sound like you're waking up. Uh, well, I'm still in bed, but I've been awake <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> There, we, we have to discuss one thing before we get into everything. And just so you know, we are live and ready to rock and roll. We have to discuss the fact that you have the sign of the devil in your phone number. Oh, yeah. And they let me pick that. <laughs> oh, my God. You did. You know, like, I, I don't know how, how much you followed or any of that. But, like, the, the, I am so superstitious that I had a hard time saying those three numbers together when I get Oh, <laughs> my bad. Yeah, they, um, I had a Chicago area code for ever for like the first 15, 18 years I had a cell phone and then I just uh, got a new number and they were out of 702, which is basically all of uh, Vegas. So they moved right. to a 725 area code and they it was basically your pick of the litter when it came to phone numbers. No. So I was like, I just want something I'm going to remember. No way. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was probably the easiest number that they had that I was just like, well, even I can't forget my own phone number now. Yeah, I had a hard time calling the number. I'm just going to let you know. It was a tough one. Because <laughs> I've, I've been on, I actually, one of my biggest fear days was uh, Friday the 13th last year. I had train 666 going to New York City. And I was like, I don't know about this shit, yeah, so man. You're really superstitious. I'm super superstitious. Not is it good. just about like some things, or is it about like I'm not like I'm not like typical superstitious everything. It's I mean it's I'm superstitious about certain things. Like I, I'm I'm not the kind of guy who will walk in the front door and like turn the door handle four times. You know I'm okay, not okay. Like, so you're not super OCD or no, no, no. or 
rituals or anything <laughs> like that. I'm not, I'm not OCD, although I have certain things that are OCD, but when it comes to numbers, I'm just really crazy about them. 13s and, 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 and that sort of stuff. And like, and like numbers that can all end up like, I can't have two sixes and two threes. Like I can't have, I can't have six emails, six voicemails and, and then like, you know, three of something else or something. Cause it, it all ends up being the same number. It's weird. So, so any kind of psycho numbers, basically. Fuck, psycho numbers. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. I got to stay away from those. I got to stay far away from those. So, uh, so Erica, why don't you, uh, why don't you do us a favor? I already kind of gave your intro a little bit. Why don't you okay. one, tell everybody how they can get in contact with you on your social media avenues? Well, I really actually only have one. I just have my Twitter, which okay. is, uh, it's, Sin City Shy with CHI girl. And um, I mean, basically, that's I live in Sin City. I'm from Chicago. So, um, but other than that, I mean, I think I have an Instagram, but I don't use it. And Facebook, it just got too filled with drama and, you know, like people's kids' pictures that I just, I just, I, it might still be there somewhere, but I just don't use it. So, Basically, I spend enough time on Twitter, so it just be Twitter. That's funny. Well, I'll tell you, you know what's funny is I, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine about, about four or five months ago, and I've talked about it in the past, how, how uh, you know, I mean, we all share so much of our lives. We share so much of everything, um, especially on Instagram and, and Facebook. I, I believe, like, I love Twitter, and, and I know you're a huge fan of Twitter as well. But yeah, can you tell? Twitter's fucking awesome. <laughs> you literally, I mean, like. Well, and, and I have an, I have a question for you. I want to get into, but, but I, I, we were, we were having a conversation kind of back and forth and, and he's like, Hey, so what's going on? And I'm like, you know, just the normal shit. Like, cause everybody already knows what it is that we're doing because we've posted about it. You know, right. we, we posted our location. We've checked in. We've told you what we've eaten. We told you how our kids are doing. We've told you what happened on Halloween. And he looked at me, he's like, Brian, I, show all that stuff. And he said, I'm not on Facebook, man. And I never thought about it. <laughs> like, and I, yeah, actually, I mean, I always had been, I, cause I actually, I think it started getting big, like maybe my junior year of high school. So it was right in the time of when, you know, everybody has to do like the cool new thing. Yes. So, you know, I was, I had it and, um, it's, it just, I, I just grew out of it. Yeah. Well, and what's funny is most yeah. adults haven't grown out of it. So that's yeah, that's true. I mean, although, you know, like, I mean, my mother's on Facebook and, and you know, my, my aunts and uncles. On Facebook, yeah. <laughs> so, so they're on there and it's funny because they, I think my mother and I share like 550 friends. That's you know, funny. Cause my parents are super, my parents are super cool, but my, and my father was always very low key on Facebook. He would post like the, the, like the, the motivational stuff. My father just recently passed up cancer. And so he would post like, oh, if you, you know, if you love, thank you. If you love somebody with cancer, share this, you know, so that sort of stuff. But my mother's always about like the kids and the pictures and she loves seeing her friends and all that. But then I think your age is a whole different world. Cause you guys are just tired of listening to people bitch and moan and showing pictures of their kids. Well, yeah. The bitching and moaning, I think might even be the slightly younger generation. Um, my age, um, as much as I hate to say it, I'm 31 and, um, you hate to say 31, I'm 46, but it's, but it, uh, I don't have, (laughs) you know, 
kids. A, uh, a lot of a lot more people your age have kids than than my age. I mean, I still a lot of people that I went to high school with, I for sure have started families and everything like that. But you know, they're also starting new careers and they're still dressing up for Halloween and they still have their little kids dressed up for Halloween. And I'm just, you know, I mean, I I've got married a little less than a year ago. I'm a little bit behind some of those people, you know, who are just in different phases of their lives. Yeah. And, and then from the younger, from what I can tell from like, uh, nieces or, or cousins or whatever, that's a lot of drama. Although I'm sure drama spans all ages, but it's a lot of drama within like the late teens to mid 20 year olds. It's, it's all over the place. I mean, I found that everybody is bitching about something. Yeah. And the problem is, is like, is like, you know, it is the one thing I'll give to it is, is a good way to keep in touch with friends that you actually know, not just, you know, Twitter where you kind of know a few people and that's about it, you know, and family. But, um, I don't exactly write stuff or post stuff that I really want my friends or family to see or hear. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I gotcha. Unless I I could narrow it down to single out certain people. (laughs) Well, you can, can't you, can't you block people? Oh, I mean, I'm sure I can, but like, I'd have to half my posts. I'd have to narrow down like, you know, oh, yeah. 80 people on this one. And, oh, there's like 130 people that could see this one. <laughs> and, oh, you know, no way. <laughs> it's the truth. It is. You gotta, you know I mean? You're either going to go all in or, or, or not. I mean, I have friends of mine that, that do stuff. And, and I mean, I actually have a secondary Twitter account that nobody knows who it is. And I have a field day on it because I do nothing but talk shit about people and what they do in their life. And See, that's like, basically what I do on my, my primary Twitter account. Yeah, but I have to go to the volleyball game at my <laughs> yeah. daughter's school, you know? Exactly. So yeah. I gotta be and you to have a reputation to uphold and I don't give a shit what my reputation exactly. is. Fuck so, so, so <laughs> yeah, fuck them. So let's let, see. I told you we could curse. I think yeah, I may. <laughs> I think I may have cursed a little bit extra starting in the show just to get people prepared for what you and I were going to start talking that about. I curse a lot, and, yeah. and <laughs> so so yeah. let's let's talk about what what what. So one of the reasons why my brother's calling us, one of oh. the reasons uh, why I wanted to have you on is one not because of your background with with your your job for what you do, but but also because of your attitude. You know, I mean, you're kind of a fuck you type of person. I'm a huge fuck you type of person. Like, I'm really loyal to the few people that deserve my loyalty. Right. And other than that, it's just like, all right, you don't like me. Fuck you. I don't like you either. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say. I just don't care. I mean, the only thing you should care about the people that care about you. And other than that. I don't have time to give a shit about anyone else's opinion, really. (laughs) I mean, and you get, I mean, I'm sure that you get, I'm sure that your inbox, I'll be honest with you. I'm shocked that you were able to reply to me through your, through a message system. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll scan my inbox and stuff. And I'll honestly, about 75% of the messages are unopened. Right. So I'll just scan and see like, you know, who I want to reply or even read the first line. And I can tell 
just before you even open the, the message, what the first line is. And if it's your typical, like, Hey, sexy, send me some pics. I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, come on, go look at my fucking media. I mean, I'm yeah. not shy about it there. Don't tell me to send you some pics. Right. So, <laughs> So where, so, I mean, let, let's get to this. I mean, you, you've got 25, roughly 25,000 followers on Twitter. How did you get to that point? I mean, is it through poker? No, not at all. So um, is- I, uh, I originally started out a couple of years ago when hashtagging had just kind of become big. Um, I was one of the, the bigger hashtaggers. Now they're everywhere and I don't even know half of them, but um, I was one of kind of the original ones of a group of, of, uh, you know, a dozen others that really tried to get it going. And then I kind of just lost my interest on that. And then just started posting like just the random rambling on messages and talking shit messages and sarcastic messages that you see now. And the following just kind of grew. So when you get, and we, we had a conversation about this briefly last night. I mean, when you get to a point where you've, you're starting to get, you know, multiple thousands of followers, how many people do you, I mean, how many do you follow? Actually, I can probably just look that up. I think I follow a little less than 5,000. Okay. And I've got like a little more than 23,000 followers. Yes. You follow 4,700. So here, so here's a question. Yep. So. Uh, do you scroll? I mean, do you do you pay attention to who you follow? Do you read through Twitter on a daily basis and have those responses from the people that 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 you follow? Um, I if I see new followers, I I will like you know in chunks just at least skim their profiles. Some right. of them I'll follow back. Some of them I won't. Some of them it's just a hunch, and some of them it's just like it's pretty obvious you can like read their profile and right. be like, I don't want to follow this motherfucker. <laughs> um, you know, and there's, um, I'm, I'm not the, I'll, I'll admit I'm not the most generous follow backer sometimes. Right. I think that I only have like 160 people that I'm following that are not following me back. Right. Um, and those are like, you know, certain celebrities and stuff like that. But I do check out every person And, um, you know, a a lot of the, a lot of the people that, that kind of have posts similar to mine, I will follow because it's like kind of a whole community and, uh, everybody retweets everybody and, and just that. So if it's, if it's the same kind of thing, then those are the people I'll generally, I'll generally follow back. I know, uh, I know the first time I was involved in a follow Friday, uh, I, I had to be schooled a couple of months later because a friend of mine was like, dude, I do a follow Friday every Friday and you're supposed to follow all those people. And I'm oh, like, Fuck, uh, yeah, really? I, I used to do that too. And that I just don't, I, I don't necessarily want to follow all those people. No. Some of them I'll look at and take their advice, but I don't even do those follow Fridays anymore. If somebody puts me in there, I'll, you know, yeah, like it or thank them or whatever, just you know, because it was nice of them. But you Ooh. know, and in all honesty, it's hard enough to keep up with a big account, especially one that not just do I have a lot of followers, but I actually tweet a lot myself, and I try to retweet um, as many people as I can too. Right. So it's like some of the shit. Unless I want to 
literally live on Twitter, I yeah. just don't have time for it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what we were talking about last night that I have. I mean, I try to fo- I try to scan through stuff and check people out because I'm genuinely interested. You know, I mean, I, and if I'm on a plane or something and I can scroll through Twitter and take a look and and see that sort of stuff, then I then I do because I like to see some of these people that are out there. But there are the freaks that are out there. That, oh, and know, I'm like, sure I get more of them than oh, you, you might get. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I couldn't imagine. I've said it in the past. I couldn't imagine being a woman on Twitter. Yeah. There's just no way. Twitter yeah. or, or Instagram, especially if you show if you show any part of your body. Because guys are yeah, fucking which, which I tend to do. <laughs> You're no stranger I to mean, a I mean, I don't care. The thing is, is, is I, I, don't, I don't really care. Like, if I'm putting it out there, I don't really if somebody says something, I can't stand when some dumb bitch puts something out there and then gets a creepy reply or pervy reply. And it's like, how dare you say that? Well, don't put it out there then you dumbass. So if I put it out there, I, and I get something back that creeps me out or is disgusting or something, I will not respond to them. And if they keep bothering me, then I'll block them. But I'm not going to go on some tangent of, you know, show a picture of my boobs. And then they say, hey, baby, nice titties. And, like, I, I sit there and I'm say, so offended. oh, my God, what a pervert. Like, you know, expect it to happen. You don't have to and respond to it. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Sometimes I will. I'll just be like, thank you. I and appreciate moving on. Right. But, I mean, the only time I'll start blocking people, and I, I, at this point, I mean, Twitter Twitter was drama, I think, for everybody. At, at some point when they first started, you get in, like, Twitter feuds and this and that yeah. and blah, blah, blah. I completely ignore all of that drama at this point. And See, I, um, if anyone comes at me annoyingly, I'll kind of give them a pass the first time, especially if I don't know them. Right. Um and then, like, by the second time, I still just don't even say anything, really. I just hit the little block button, and then you literally never have to think about that person again never. because there's millions of other people that they can go and bother. Well, and it's funny because I have a guy right now who's – and I just talked about him prior to who, uh, who, who is doing that. He just hits me up every day and says something nasty or whatever it is, and, and I just find it funny. And, and I replied back to him last week, and I said, you know, one of the coolest parts about this whole little war that you're starting is that I know that every single day that you wake up and you think about me, that makes you a fan. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean you can talk and- shit about me all you want, but if you follow me and you look at my stuff, guess what? You're now a fan. So – and I can win the war if I really want to by just hitting block <laughs> one day and saying bye bye. <laughs> now, now let me ask you a question because I, I've had this crazy world over uh, for, and I don't know if I talked to you about this or not, but I had a, I had somebody who's been trying to get money out of me. So I had oh, a, a yeah, unquote, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> oh, it's awesome! It's fucking awesome. So she <laughs> sent me she quote unquote, and every time that I say she, please know that there's quotations around that because it's probably like a little dude in Bangladesh who's got 14 Twitter <laughs> accounts, owned 17 different pictures of women, um, and one of this, them is you know the hot porn star kind of oh, yeah. chick or whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, this is not the first time. I mean, I've had people. Oh, I've had yeah. women send me pictures of themselves. And then, you know, like you're looking through and you're like, man, I know that girl looks familiar. And who is it? It's fucking Amber Portwood from MTV's, you know, teen mom, um, which is the one. I've actually had two people that two guys that have sent me stuff, um, uh, you know, trying to hit me up. And both, both times it was a guy that 
first of all, it's gorgeous. It's like, if you guys are going to like go to be like a good looking guy, just don't go like to some of the hottest men I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And I had, I've happened to know both of these guys. One was a awesome. little farther away ago. One was a little more recent. And I'm like, I know whose picture that is. Yeah. I know that's not his account because I can go to his account. So friends, I'm sure. Of course. Well, I have this yeah. chick who wanted, uh, she sent me the, you know, the, the obligatory, um, you're cute. Are you married? And yeah, I replied yeah. and I replied with how much is your car payment? And then it, <laughs> and then it just starts from there because then, she, well, the best was she said it was $3,500. And I said, your car payment's $3,500. I said, what kind of a car do you drive? And she replies back a Honda. And I said, well, you must have horrible credit. Like, oh, or you must have some Honda fucking Lambo hybrid or some shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it's, it was funny because then she just started right in. I mean, I, I didn't, she didn't even have to sugarcoat anything. I just gave her the door. I opened the door for her to start to her, just, her game, you know, put her foot in her right in her uh, mouth. <laughs> I was, I was, I got to a point that I was quoting Johnny Cash. I was telling her that I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. <laughs> That my mama told me, son, always be a good boy. Don't play with guns. Like I was referencing <laughs> Psycho and my mother living upstairs from the hotel. Like I was really playing along. And and I'll and I'll tell you what, I finally got to the point at the end where I just said, you know, hey, you're 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 delusional that you ever think you're going to get a dime out of me. And every single day, I get a response from her, quote unquote. You know, you know, how are you? Yeah. Sweet? I hope your family's well. Blah blah blah. Like stupid shit like that. Oh but, God. But yeah. Come back bite me in the ass one day because I actually did have a fan who sent a message through to me that said, Hey, I'm kind of going out on a limb here. You're a really good looking guy. You know, are you married? And I replied back with how much do you want? And she replied with go fuck yourself. I thought you were a nice guy. <laughs> and I was like, no, wait, wait, wait. Like, no. <laughs> But um, well, so, I mean, if, if I if I could if I could print out all the dick pics I've been sent, I could probably wallpaper my entire bedroom. Yeah, but do you really need a dick pic wallpaper? No, no, I'm fuck no, no, yeah, no. I'm just good. I'm just saying that's I know, I that's know. the usual, uh, you know, at the unsolicited dick pic. The 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 most ridiculous is when they actually post it onto my timeline. It's like, okay. not only are you just randomly sending a picture of your penis that I don't want to see, but you're posting it on my timeline. So other people that are on my timeline can, can also see it, see it and they don't want to see it either. Well, so, <laughs> so what is the, what is, I mean, with that many followers and you being an attractive woman who's, who's, who's been in the public eye, who is in the eye, what is the worst? What's the worst that you've been like, what the fuck? And just kind of blocked, never even got anything through or deleted it or what, what's the worst? Um, just some people that have like just ranted for some reason and sent me like overnight, like 15 or 20 different messages or, or posts on my timeline. I'm just like, you know, fuck you, you dirty whore, you know, wow. you spread your legs for money, that kind oh, of shit. Geez. And I was like, like and and just like a rampage of stuff and i wake up and i see all of these messages that i not only have i not responded to i haven't even had time to read any of them and it, those those kind of ones have been the worst in the sense that like calm yourself down first of all 
And right. type it once if you really don't type the same thing 17 different ways. Right. And then, then that's just a block and I'll, okay, thank you. Get out of my life. So, all right. So let's kind of talk about, let, I, I want to talk about poker. Okay. All right. So, so you're 31. How long have you been, how long were you playing professional poker? I, I only played about five or six years. Um, and I stopped playing when I, uh, when I met my husband, which was four years ago. Uh, so five or six years. And why, what, what brought you into that world? Um, well, I mean, long story short, uh, Hey, we got all that. Short. You can make a long story <laughs> long. I don't care. Where are you um, today? Um, so I went out one night, like uh, close to the time of when I first moved here, which was um, December of 06, when I first moved to Vegas. And uh, my mom, actually. And my mom never drinks. And, I mean, I always drank. <laughs> but we both got really <laughs> drunk. And we're walking around the MGM Grand Parking Garage trying to find our car. And I see it, except it's two levels below. And I'm thinking, okay, I can just climb down these walls because the escalator's far as fuck away. So I try climbing. I fall. I shatter my ankle. I'm Oops. in bed for months. Like, I, ha I end up go leaving my apartment to go stay at my mom's house, um, stay in her spare bedroom, because she literally had to, like pack a lunch for me every day downstairs and bring it up. I could not walk downstairs for weeks oh, and weeks at a time. And this um, is in Chicago or this is in Vegas? This is in Vegas. This was okay. right around the time, like maybe six months after I moved here. Okay. And I started randomly just watching like a repeat of a recent poker tournament. And um, there was a guy on there who I think he ended up getting third in that tournament. And I don't know. I just thought he was really cute. He seemed like a sweetheart. And most of the time that's not poker players. <laughs> they're not that cute. They're not that sweet. <laughs> they, they're just uh, greedy and selfish. Um, but uh, so I, this was when like my space was still even in use oh, and geez. I found him on my space and I just sent him a message or whatever. And the World Series of Poker, which is in the summer uh, over at the Rio, was about to come. And I still had, like, my walking boot on my ankle. And he wanted to meet me. I'm like, oh, so you want to meet me, like, as in my crippled state? He's like, well, can you walk? I'm like, yeah, but I look like, ridiculous. He didn't right. care. And um, a week later, we were living together. Oh. and And it just went from, I mean... It went for there. We we dated for like three three ish years. Um, he had a huge run in poker, so uh, and he was a great player. Um, so able to number one teach me. Number two, it helped that he could start off bankrolling me. Sure. And um, then when him and I broke up, the next guy I dated was actually a friend from the poker room that I had known for like already known for like a year. Um, we started dating for like another couple of years. And then when we broke up, I was like, okay, like I just, I need to get away from poker. It's just, it's a degenerate life, a degenerate lifestyle. It's a lot of backstabbing. It's a lot of like, Hey, loan me some money. I'll pay you back. Nobody ever pays anyone back. Well, no, you're so, gamblers. Like, cheat off the yeah. But, but they're shady gamblers. 
Like I've seen friends fuck other friends, like legitimate friends fuck other friends over. Really? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been fucked over for money with the exception of one loan that I gave to my ex before we started dating. Right. Um, I gave him like a $5,000 loan and he paid me back every penny it's of bad. it. And other, other than that, I've gotten fucked on loans. Yeah. So, That's crazy. So, so now you're, so now you're a woman and you're, you, you're in, I mean, what, what is, I mean, you're a woman sitting at a table playing poker. Look, we all know, you know, movies, every part of it, there's always the man, they're the guys that are playing and we've seen the guys that are playing. I mean, you look at Phil, Phil Youth, you look at those guys and, and you know, they're, they're poker players where, yeah. how, what, what is that like for you to be sitting there being at a table with some of these guys that in reality you've watched for years? Or watched for a while. Well, it it depends on the table. When I'm playing cash games, I was basically a mid stakes player. I didn't play small stakes, but I didn't really play huge stakes. Every while I'd move up to like the low uh, range of high stakes, but um, and what what is the low range of high stakes? What's the low range? Uh, Five grand. Like uh, uh, well, well, buying. Well, it it depends where you play if it's capped or not. Like. Um, I mean, at one at the Bellagio, you can play a five ten capped at a thousand dollars, which I don't like. Capped, I like to buy in deep. You can go over the win and play that same five ten with no cap, and you can sit with fifty thousand on the table. Oh, but wow. that's that's not that's not common either. Um, so, but yeah, I think the biggest I ever bought in for was like twenty. And and what is it so, like? Um, I mean, okay. First off, now that you just said twenty, so so you're okay. in you're into a, a, a tournament. Is that a tournament or is that just a game? Those are mostly cash games. Like I played uh, some World Series events here and there, another random tournament here and there. But I'm not a tournament player. It's actually a whole different style of playing. Really? I don't like it. I don't have the patience for it. Most tournaments are short stacked. I like being deep stacked. Um, Tell me the difference between short and deep stacked. Uh, Short stack is is basically a bunch of fucking fools just going all in when they see anything that looks like two halfway decent cards. Okay. I mean, you know, for the most part, um, deep stack takes a lot more strategy because you have a lot more on the table. I mean, you know, if if you're sitting there and everybody's just got a hundred bucks left on the table and you see a hand like you know jack ten suited, you might just go well all in. Whereas if you're sitting there and everybody's got five grand on the table you're not just going to shove with Jack 10 suited unless you're an idiot or really lucky um, or bluff <laughs> semi bluffing, you know, cause so I, I double bluffing, down on, I double down when I play blackjack on 13. That's my only 13 that I'm not superstitious of. Sorry. I know you're a poker player, but I had to say that. I was going to say that's, that's a little scary though. Double like down I, on 13. I, but also I'm not playing. It's not like I've got five grand on a table. I've got, you know, no, bucks. yeah, that's true. That's so, true. If you're playing for whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not in it. You know, I'm in it for the fun of it. I know that going into a right. casino that I'm going to lose. That's why I, I'll put a cap and I'll put a couple hundred dollars down. Look, I'm not a big gambler. I know that I'm going to lose. I go in, if I win, I'm like, hey, fuck it, I won. I mean, I, I've still got poker chips from you know Mohegan Sun in Connecticut that I can't wait to get back up there in January to blow them. But yeah, but so, no, I mean, and th- and that's the thing. That was the one best thing that I could have, other than the learning of the game, that I could have ever gotten from my first ex. Is he taught me amazing bankroll management. 
And uh, I'm actually not a disciplined person <laughs> and um, I can have kind of an addictive personality. I don't really gamble unless it's kind of like you said, because I don't consider poker gambling. It, there is gambling in it, but it's also a skill game. Um, I don't really gamble. Like I never really sit at a blackjack table or anything like that. And uh, I never played on over my limits on poker. Like I, I, I could have played higher a lot of the times, but you know, if you lose too much, it's like you're screwed. So right. there were always limits set on when I was going to walk away. And I always walked away. Now, what is, and you can, you don't have to answer this, but you can say, I choose not to answer that. What was your biggest win? Um, my biggest, see, wins are usually judged more on buy-ins than anything else. Like, right. Like the five ten game at the Bellagio, it's a thousand dollar cap buy-in, which is pretty small actually. I think it's moved up to it did move up to fifteen hundred, but at the time it was a thousand dollar cap buy-in, which means you could only buy in for the max of a thousand. And I walked away uh, over seventy hours later, which was a long session. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, seventy two hours. Luckily, I lived across the street in a high rise, so the floor manager let me go home and like shower without picking up my chips. Um, but, um, I walked, I walked out of there with, uh, um, almost 12 grand. So, okay. So that's um, a big one. That's in terms of buy-ins that, that was a big one in terms of winnings, uh, mid low, low twenties, maybe. Um, it was more just, I was more like the, the, the grinder, you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have, you know, a $2 million bankroll that I could go throw a hundred thousand dollars on a game. Right. Um, I mean, I would make decent money and I would, uh, I was good about saving it and whatever, you know, I would sit with my ex and watch him put a hundred thousand dollars on the table and, you know, but, um, although in some, in some ways it's actually easier to win and, uh, a game with with better players because you can at least if you're decent yourself you can at least kind of sort of see where they're coming from or what right. they might be doing um sometimes people at anything but like high high stakes are just so stupid and so bad that they'll just do something and like you'll call thinking okay they could have this they could have this they probably have this they might have that and they turn over the the, the what the fuck hand <laughs> right <laughs> And so, whereas, you know, a, a player with any halfway decent amount of skill would not have done it with the hand that they did it with. So I always found it easier to play against better players. The thing is, is, you know, you just have to play right. You can't try to do stupid shit to them because right. they'll catch you in it, you know, especially if they're regulars. That's, a, uh, you know, in Vegas, there's a lot of uh, regulars. And then there's a lot of tourists. When you walk into a, a poker room in Vegas, you're you're looking for um, the table full of tourists. You right. don't want to play with the regular people. Sure, they're nice to chit chat with, but and even if they're not as good as you, they know your game. Right. They know how you play. They know your tendencies. Um, they know your range, and they're not going to just stack off to you like it's nothing. The drunken tourists will, though. They're fun because they have a set of balls, and they're like all in. And they've got yeah, they have a three stupid tubes. set of drunken set of balls, but those are right. the kind of set of balls you want them to have. Yeah, of course, that's sure. where you make your money. Yep. 
Nice. So, so what was your, so have you ever like left the table and been like, fuck, what's, what was your biggest loss? Um, I mean, I just try to, I'm trying to get an idea. My biggest loss was actually, it was the first time I ever played a 10 20 no limit game. I sat down with 10 grand and my very, very first hand, I got Kings. Some guy got it all in with eights and flopped with eight on me. And so one hand sat down and lost 10 grand and left. And that was kind of just the biggest, fastest train wreck. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was pretty depressing. <laughs> we, we talked last night real quick mm-hmm. and just so everybody knows. So, so Eric and I had a conversation last night. I, I you know, I, I didn't want her to be nervous getting on the phone with some dude that she's never met before. All she knows is I could be, you know, some guy sending dick pics through Twitter, which I'm not. I'll let you know that. <laughs> Good. But uh, one of the things that, that we kind of talked about was some of some of the, the back shit. I mean, there's a lot. You said there's a lot of shit that goes on kind of behind the scenes. I mean, can you talk about any of that stuff? Like what what are some what are some of the just the shadiest shit that you've seen like uh, out there? I mean, I'm I'm not going to mention any names just because, first of all, a lot of it is rumors, but some of it I know to be pretty true rumors. Um, a lot of the bigger players, like, um, they make bets and with each other and stuff that they don't pay off. I've heard of one specific um, uh, top player that was actually using, was playing a, a game in, like, his own, whether it's his study or one of his own separate rooms in his house and he had mirrors set up that other people couldn't see and he could see their cards. Get the fuck out. Um, yeah. This was a pro player? Yeah. Wow. Um, there's been the story of uh, another pro with uh, that got caught with an ace up his sleeve. Literally, that's something that you would think is just like a, a st- you know, a <laughs> And in an innuendo, uh, really? I don't yeah, really, yeah, but yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, just uh, just uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just ridiculous that I don't know. It's and then it's a, it's a lot of partying and a lot of you know, and especially if you're young like like we were, um, you can get caught up in that, and then you know, inevitably, you do something stupid while you're drunk, which I've had many a times. <laughs> um, but yeah, crazy parties, crazy, just everybody knows everybody. And it seems like everybody knows everybody's secrets. So basically sure. nobody has secrets. <laughs> right. So what, uh, who was, who's one person? I mean, it, it, who's, who's, who's the person that you most like? to play against. I mean, is there in, I mean, cause in Vegas, you guys are, you guys are in there all the time. I mean, you guys are playing all the time. So is there somebody that you love to play against that, that you're like, I really like this guy because. Well, that's a totally different question than I really like this guy because. Okay. All right. If I really like him because I certainly shit don't want to play with him because he's better. I right. mean, and uh, um, I mean, most, poker players with half a brain would say Phil Ivy. I actually have a cat named Ivy. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's Phil Ivy by far and away, but I would never want to play. There are very few people that would even play Phil Ivy, let alone, you know, they might do it if Phil Ivy gives them odds or something, but, um, 
I would sure shit never want to play against Phil Ivey. He's right. he's just a genius. But I I love Phil Ivey. I mean, watching him, it's like watching nobody else. He's just and he has he's lucky too. So he has that gift of luck and that gift of talent, and you put them together, and he's just like a god of the poker world. Really. So what, I mean, yeah. what is something that, that, I mean, is it just the style of play? Is it the way that he reads the cards? I mean, what makes a good poker player a good poker player? Um, I mean, all of the above. And I've always said, like, you know, if you sit there and you watch Ivy, there's something about him that when he looks at you, it almost looks like he can just stare at you and stare <laughs> right through your soul. Like, he just knows what to do. He knows how to bluff you. He knows how to call you if you're bluffing or, I mean, he can call you down with 10 high and not even be, you know, that impressed with himself, even though it's like, you know, that would have taken all the balls that I have to do that. And he just knew he was right. So he's just, he's, he's got an amazing read on everything, every one, every hand, Every move someone makes, every bluff someone makes, every bet that he should make. So hmm. he's just he's just got that read. So how how often do you? I mean, how often were you playing when you were when you were really playing? When I was really into it, oh my yeah. god! Um, you know, I would play two to three days, pretty much straight through. And then sleep for like 16, 18 hours and then go back and then get up and do it again. And I mean, like for, I was, I was living, uh, on the strip by Bellagio for a while. And then on the Northern part of the strip, um, which isn't too far from Wynn, which I actually ended up playing at Wynn for a while. So, you know, the, at least I could just, I could go home because you're only supposed to leave your chips on the table for like an hour before right. they take them off. I could go home for, you know, a shower or it's just when I was done, I knew that I did not have to drive a half hour home where I'd probably fall asleep behind the wheel. Sure. You can just go right and into I the cross the street. Lot, I drink, yeah. And I drank a lot of Red Bull sitting at those tables. Oh my God. Your insides must be petrified right now. That or you're growing a testicle. Yes. Probably <laughs> all of the above. And I, I yeah. Yeah, combined with as much alcohol as I've drank in my life, I don't oh, even yeah. know if I still have a liver. So, <laughs> so what? What brought you from Chicago to Vegas? Um, you know, I love Chicago, and it's, it's a great city and everything. But the winters just got to be just Brutal. too much, especially for my mom. And so, my mom, I was nineteen. Um, so I had just finished my first year of college down at U of I, and um. What'd you go to school? Uh, my mom says to me, huh? What'd you go to school for? Uh, I was figuring it out. Okay. I got <laughs> I you. I was All right. just figuring it out. It ended up being, <laughs> um, uh, marketing ish. And then, cause I, I got, I had to get through a lot of my core classes and then, you know, hotel admin, right. UNLV is the second best school in the country for that. Um, but I was 19 and, um, my dad was living in a different state. You know, I had, I, I had had some great friends I was working with, but I actually graduated my senior year. I graduated early and I had moved about an hour away. So I kept in touch with my high school friends as much as I could, but they were still in school. I was like 
in adult land working already. And so just didn't have as many ties as I used to have. And my mom said, I need to go somewhere warm. Uh, I've narrowed it down to Phoenix or Vegas. I'll let you pick. And I just looked at her like, mom, are you serious? What 19 year old kid is not going to pick Vegas? (laughs) (laughs) So, so Vegas, it was Vegas now. And now is mom a biker chick? Uh, she was until she died two years ago on one. Okay. She did. She passed away yeah. on a bike. Oh, geez. I'm sorry. On a, uh, it's okay. Um, it's been the hardest two years of my life, but, uh, I'm sure she actually was, a she was a biker chick and, uh, um, they were on a, they were actually headed to, um, Sturges, um, to, and they were going to the main band that was playing. I actually know. Uh, the lead singer, he is, um, he, well, he's a Philly native, but his band is uh, like, you know, Las Vegas home and grown. Um, and they were going to see them and, uh, they were all driving in a, in a line and there were like 10 bikes and, uh, someone pulled over, pulled or pulled in front of them, cut them off. They crashed her husband, whom I, didn't like to begin with. He survived. Everybody else survived. She died on impact. So yeah, it was rough. I'm, I'm, I don't, I I thought it would get easier and it hasn't. And I don't think you ever get over something like that, but, um, I'm at least able to get out of bed at this point because I couldn't for quite a long time. Sure. Oh man. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's crazy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, so, so you moved to Vegas with mom, you guys, and then, and then at what point did you move onto the strip? Like when you first um, got out there? Well, yeah, almost. Cause I was in, um, an apartment. I lived with my mom for like a month in, in right. the new house. And so I found an apartment that was kind of closer to, um, school. And then the, when I met, um, my ex Mike, uh, he actually, and when we moved in like a week later, he was out here with just a couple of suitcases. Cause after the world series, he had planned to go to, um, California and play right. and he just ended up staying. So he didn't have any place established here. So I said, why don't you just move in with me? So he moved in with me. We stayed there until the lease was done, which was like another five months maybe. And then we moved into, a. Panorama Towers, which is a, one of the nicer um, high-rise buildings across, you know, right on the strip, yeah. basically. I know, right where um, they are, sure. So I was probably just about turning 21. Oh, my God. So you're on the strip. Yeah. You're 21 years old, and it's just game I'm up. 21, yeah. And you're, and you're a poker player. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was life. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so where- it was. It was really cool while it lasted. Now I'm happy to be uh, in the suburbs, married, and be right. be an old lady. <laughs> right. So, so what? Okay. So, get, what can you give us? Look, I'm I'm a Vegas person. I'm out there a couple of times a year. Usually in March, I came out for the big show. I was telling you for nightclub and bar, um, which I'd love uh-huh. to have you come up. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to have a drink with you. Bring your husband oh, yeah. over. Like yeah. seriously, come on over and check out the show and and all that cool stuff. It's really neat. It's the biggest, the largest nightclub and bar show in the world. So it's really for pretty sure. cool. And and then, so my favorite bar in Vegas, my favorite bar in Vegas is the double down. 
Are you talking like between? I'm trying to think. The double down. That doesn't double sound, down. It's not salute. a strip bar, is it? Oh, no, not at all. We've talked about. It. I okay. hate the strip. I okay, one, I'm not a, I'm not a four When I think two, of bars, like, all the, the strip bars and clubs just flow through my head, and I'm like, the double down. So go <laughs> go behind Vidara, go across the bridge, and make, okay. a, and make a right, and go to the end of the street, and it's back there. It's a, it's a dive bar called the double down, okay. and you drink ass juice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's called Astus. You, you know, shot. you know when you go across the bridge from Vidara and there are those two yeah, big the, towers. Yeah. That's where I used to live. And, and that's why when you told me last night, I knew exactly what you were talking. Okay, okay. A friend of mine yeah, DJ, um, lived in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll have to check out. This is nothing. It's, nothing better than some. I mean, I I I love down bars personally. I mean, that's what. That's what I knew in college back in sure. Chicago and shit. And I'm just not a big, if I'm going to drink, if at like the fanciest I like to go is like a, like a strip uh, lounge. I don't like clubs. I don't really love to like dance and get all sweaty and fucking wait 25 minutes for a drink. Unless you're at a VIP table. I gotcha. Right. Exactly. Yep. And a VIP, yep. VIP table costs like four grand. And yep, you get like, if you're lucky you like, and you're on second tier, you get like, yeah, you get like two hundred dollars worth of alcohol at three hundred dollars a bottle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not worth. Yeah, it. And I'm not think. a huge. I mean, look, I love excess. I love um, uh, Tao. I, like, I love. They were a blast, and they're a good time to go in and do that for your first or second experience out there. And I dance right. twice a year. I'm no stranger. I do white man overbite. I'll get on a couch. I'll get on a table. I'll do whatever I got to do. But as soon as I'm <laughs> done there and I get a, a a bill, look, I'm not happy. But you go to du- double yeah, down. Yeah, no, it's disgusting. <laughs> I had a twenty four thousand dollar tab once. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, yeah, because we we're with we we're with somebody who was a piece of shit, and uh, he kept saying that the that the booze was free. We were in the VIP. He's like, "Yeah, it's all donated. You guys ever just hang out?" And then he rolled, and they came out with this massive tab that a friend of mine actually picked up the bill. Like it was crazy. It was a weird world, but uh, that, yeah. Yeah, and you're leaving at 7 o'clock in the morning. Like, where the fuck am I? And you got to speak at 1 o'clock in the afternoon in front of 500 people. It was awesome. I've been there. Uh, Um, But Double Down. I got arrested at Tau. You did? For what? (laughs) I'm getting in a fight. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I've gotten arrested, like, and then I got arrested again, like, three months later for getting in a fight. (laughs) So, so you you know, nobody nobody gets in your way. And if they do, no. you're, you're going to end up getting arrested. Making and the, the funniest thing, when I got arrested at Tau, um, I split on the cops and I, I'm, I'm drunk as hell. I, I can't believe I can even barely oh, remember God. this, but I'm running across um, the Venetian and they're chasing me and they finally get to me and they cuff me and they bring me wherever, Metro or whatever. And um, they... Uh, Somehow they don't charge me for, I was, I was 20. They don't charge me for underage drinking. They don't charge me for, um, running from them. And then I have this fake ID, which the girl actually looked a lot like me. And it was a real ID. Just the, it was just someone else's, not like a fake, fake ID. The, the sure. biggest thing that you'd have to notice was that she was five, three and I'm five eleven. So, You're five eleven. I am five eleven. Yeah, five Holy ten and a half, shit. maybe. 
Right. Yeah. And so they kept calling me Becky, which was the name of the girl whose license it was. And I was still drunk and pissed off. I'm like, are you guys fucking stupid? Does that really, really look like it'd be my license? And they looked at it again and they're like, oh, well, what's your name? <laughs> my God. There's so. wow. Vegas is just weird, man. I mean, it's like there's there's and I know a lot of people that love it out there, but there is just this undertone of trouble. Like it's giving. Yeah. yeah and and it's the, like, the people, the people are just, you know, cause you have so many tourists and then the people that live here, because there's just so much, like you said, trouble that you can get into, whether it's drinking, gambling, fucking hookers everywhere, just getting in fights, doing stupid stuff. Um, it's really hard to meet like quality people out here. I agree. I mean, I have, I have a couple people that I would consider like true friends uh, out here. And then some that I would consider, you know, really solid acquaintances. And then a lot of people that I meet out here, I'm like, I'm not going to see this person again. Honestly, I don't really care. Sure. So I do. I have, I have, uh, I have two buddies of mine that are out there. Um, one of them is a personal concierge and he's been a good funny buddy of mine for years. His actually, his name is Shane Hamilton. Um, he's a mm-hmm. good buddy of mine. He owns a company called Vegas Republic. And then another guy named Mike Sullivan, who is, uh, he's kind of the head of nightclub and head of nightlife for nightclub and bar. And he and his wife live out, live out there. She's a, uh, she's a, a cocktail server, you know, banking it, just making shit, tons of cash. And, and oh, yeah, they make a shit ton of money. Yeah, but but I mean, those are two people that I consider good friends. But um, I, I can totally see. You know, I mean, you're, you're literally you're in a transient area. You know, people are 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 in and out yeah. of there. But I'll tell you a really funny story about about four years ago. I was out there, and I had just cashed in a thousand dollars in chips. I had won a grand that day. I had put it into my wallet. And uh, got into a cab, paid the cab driver, got out of the cab, went in to go to dinner at STK at Cosmo, and left my wallet in the back of the cab. Oh, with a, that blows. $1,000 cash in the, in the wallet. Can I tell you that two weeks later, I received the wallet with $900 in it because I had uh, the person who picked it up for me, I gave him $100. They wow, found my wallet. This shit in this city. I know somebody who fucking left a flag in the backseat, a five thousand dollars ship in the backseat of a cab, and certainly never saw that five thousand dollars. Yeah, well, yeah but that's a ship, though. I, I, I mean, this like no, this I was know, my. But yeah. even in this city, that it's you're the luckiest man alive for getting that wallet. I know? totally am. But what's yeah. funny is my, so my buddy Shane, I called him. I'm like, dude, I lost my wallet. I don't know what to do. And he was like, hold on. And he made a phone call. And apparently there's like an APB that they will put out to cabbies to say, Hey, everybody check. If somebody drops somebody off at the Cosmo in the last two hours, whatever it is, like check the back seat or whatever. Well, this guy ended up finding it not while I was in Vegas. And I will give everybody a little tidbit. Do not cancel the fucking credit card that you use for your room. Because they can track out no. your room. Because what happened is I was leaving the next day. So I went out like, like, let's say I went out Tuesday night, whatever it was, lost my Mm -hmm. wallet, but I was flying out on Wednesday. Well, 
they run your credit card at like three o'clock in the morning to, to, to get all the charges because they know you're checking out the next morning. Well, they ran my card. I go up to my room, get up to my room. And now my, now my card doesn't work in my door. Well, first off it's That's five not- o'clock morning and I'm shit faced. I've got to go yeah. back down front desk and I've got to explain to them what just happened. And they're like, that's awesome. You owe us $312, you know? (laughs) And I literally, I ended up borrowing, I had like whatever, 300 and whatever, let's say I had, let's say I had 290. Like I had to borrow $20 from somebody in the lobby and I actually sent them. And they that couldn't money. even give you a break on the twenty no. bucks till the no, next they didn't day. Get to, if, yeah. they, if I yeah, wanted they don't to, care. The people that I, work here are a lot like the people that live here. They don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. No, and, but <laughs> I, I mean, there was. I mean, there was like somebody in the lobby gave me cash and all that stuff. So, um, so so here's you know, I mean, obviously we got to go there. We've we've got to go to this part of it. I was out there in March, and there was a shooter. Do you remember the guy who they ended up killing on the bus in front of Bellagio? There was a guy who had, this was a weird weekend. It was like Saturday or Friday and there was somebody robbed the Bellagio. Was it? No, I remember the guy on the bike that robbed the Bellagio, but that was. Right. That was March. No, that was like, that was longer. Okay. So, so March. You might be talking about two different Bellagio robberies. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure after everybody watches Oceans 11, 12 and 13, they think they can do anything, but. Oh Yeah. When, so, so what happened was there was, I was, I walked out of the front door of the Vidara, which is, I, I love Vidara. I stay there all the time. And I walked mm-hmm. out the front door to get my Uber and cause I had to go over to the convention and there was an active shooter situation. So they shut it down. So there's a guy like screaming at me, get off the fucking bridge. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I'm literally standing on the bridge. Like, why do I have to get off the bridge? There's like 10 guys out on the street streaking. I'm not even kidding you, Eric. I swear to God, they're streaking up this underneath the bridge from Vidara to go across to your apartment, basically. And, oh, God. and, and this guy is screaming at me to get off the bridge. So I'm like walking slowly. And he's at, by the by the by order of the, the Las Vegas Metro Police Department, you must get off the bridge. And the guy had on like a maroon security guard jacket and I'm like no offense dude but you're a security guard and you're telling me to get off a bridge I want to know why and he's like there's an actor and all this other shit so you live in Vegas what what was whatever it was what was it four weeks ago five weeks ago I mean what was that what was that like shooting out of Mandalay um you know the the night that it happened I had actually passed out early and woken up to a shit ton of either texts or um, DMs or whatever, just being like, are you okay? Just checking on you. Want to make, and from literally some of them from people that I haven't heard from in five years. And I'm like, what the hell? And I turn on the news and see everything that happened. And I'm just kind of sitting there and, you know, just in awe. I mean, it was just, it was just shocking and incredibly sad that, you know, because where he shot out of, of from the Mandalay Bay window to that area where the um, country music uh, festival was, right. it's literally just like, you know, target practice. There's sure. just, there's no protection. There's maybe a few things you could duck behind, but everybody was pretty much sitting ducks. 
Right. And sure. it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's just the most cowardly thing you can do. You know, I'm not, I'm not condoning killing anyone by any means, but don't just do it like that where you can literally just take someone's life by just not even aiming. Cause if you aim and you miss, well, you'll hit the person next to them. Right. You know, and then taking on life, which I'm, I'm glad he, he's dead, but you know, he should have, he should have died a much more painful way. I agree. But, yeah, so, and but, I mean, it was terrifying and I had no idea why I had, you know, 30, 40 messages from all over the place from people just saying, you know, in some way, shape or form, are you okay? Is everything all right? And right. Cause I had, I had crashed early. I had no idea. So, and turn on the news and just that and the body count kept rising and the injury count kept rising. And so it was, a uh, it was definitely one of the, the scarier things. Hey, Erica, can you, can you, yeah. Jimmy, just keep the phone just a little bit closer to your face. Sorry about that. We're, oh, we're sorry. losing, we're losing what you're saying. Sorry. Is that that's okay. Yeah, that's much better. So, okay. So what, I mean, how has, I mean, have you seen a notice in a, a difference in tourists? Have you seen a difference in the way that people are? Is there a higher security standing out there right now? I mean, are you seeing anything like that? You know, the thing is, is I just don't go down to the strip very often anymore. Right. I'm, people, people who don't live in Vegas or even people who travel to Vegas often but don't leave the strip don't realize that that. Henderson and even North Las Vegas is the suburbs. There's a massive amount of people that live in the suburbs. Right. And I live, I live in pretty far East um, Henderson. I'm a solid 20 minutes from there. So right. I, I haven't noticed the change over here, but then again, nothing happened over here. Right. And I would be shocked if there wasn't some sort of, uh, you know, uh, high alert security thing going on right now. I mean, Right. You know, because that was, that wasn't just like a, a small, you know, and every life matters if it's one or 50 or, you know, but that wasn't yeah. just like a small time thing, but this was, this I'm sure will create new laws, you know, change the city forever. So right. there's gotta be something going on. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. Well, you and I have been talking for an hour. And uh, I, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day and, and out of your early morning because it's uh, it's pretty early for you. Um, we're going to get all this out and, and everybody. So if you, you know, if you want people that aren't going to send you dick pics, where can they reach out to you? Uh, just um, on Twitter, basically. Um, you know, at Sin City Shy Girl. There you go. And that's oh. C-H-I, everybody. S-I-N-C-I-T-Y-C-H-I. C-H-I Girl. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Erica, thanks so much. I can't wait to get out in Vegas. Um, I'll keep in touch. Uh, if you're ever sure, making it, yeah. if, you're, if you ever make it to the East coast, please let me know if you're going to be in Philly. I'd love to buy you a drink and, uh, and I'll see you when I get in Vegas in March. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. Well, there you go, everybody. That's uh, Erica Trank. Uh, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Sin City Shy C H I Girl. Um, kind of fun, a lot of fun talking to her, getting a little bit of an insight into uh, some of the poker world and what it's like to be in Vegas and and all that stuff. Oh shit! I just burped. Well, guess what? It's a podcast. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Uh, Erica, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, you know, like I said.
I try to get out there and try to have conversations with super cool people. And I love that you guys allow me to do that. And I thank you. Um, but it's time for me to sign off. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of love real quick. Some of the people that take care of me, I got to take care of them. So one, I want to thank, uh, the always wonderful Maggie Gagliardi. Check her out on Instagram and Twitter at mags, M A G Z art, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, she does all the illustrations for us, the great promos that we get to do that you guys get to see every single week. Um, I definitely want to thank, uh, Michelle out there at, um, uh, techno solutions for doing all my website stuff and taking care of everything with that. And then the boys down at radioinfluence.com get on to their site, check out their podcast guys. These guys are crushing it. They're blowing it out of the park. Amazing group of people. They have some great podcasts that they, uh, that they publish every single week. Um, and I'm just lucky and kind of humbled to be a part of it because they do such a nice job. Um, so my name is Chef Brian Duffy. You guys know that already because you've listened to me talk for the last hour and a half. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Chef Brian Duffy. You can find me on Facebook at Chef Brian Duffy. Send me a message and don't forget what I told you guys. I want to know what you guys think about all the shit that you would do if you quit a job or if it was your last day and you would have no ramifications for it. So definitely send that over to me. Send it in Facebook or send it in Twitter. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for episode number 34 of Duffified Live. Have a great day. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified check mark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Radio Influence brings you the absolute best in digital audio broadcasting. We've got something for everyone. Sports personalities like the fabulous sports babe, Rich Herrera, and former Major League Baseball manager Kevin Kennedy as they take you inside the dugout. We'll take you inside the world of MMA with the MMA Report with Jason Floyd, the MMA Insiders, and the Valor Hour with Tim Loy and Casey Oxidine. Or you could find yourself sitting ringside with wrestling ring announcer David Penzer. TV law enforcement analyst and former police officer Vincent Hill breaks down this week's biggest crime stories and takes you beyond the badge. Chef Brian Duffy from TV's Bar Rescue shares his crazy life on the road with Duffified Live. And Scott Ledger will always make you think with some dangerous conversation. All of Radio Influence's shows can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. 